You're listening to the New Beginnings Chiropractic and Life Coaching Podcast with Dr. John Baker, where we are dedicated to serving corrective care chiropractors, their staff, and mankind with multiple layers of excellent service, knowledge, and love as we continually inspire some of the happiest, most prosperous people in healthcare on our planet. Hello and happy July 20th. Thank you for allowing me to share Uh, what I know to be my truth as you develop your truth. Last podcast, we shared B.J. Palmer's The Big Idea, and I want to share it from a different perspective today to bring it into context with us, those of us that don't completely get it. Think about this. A family's fortunate enough to find corrective care in your office. They're fortunate enough to get through corrective care and get to maintenance care. They're fortunate enough to be on maintenance care for several years. (coughs) Excuse me. Now, as we look at that family, we know that they may have a neighbor, if we didn't connect with them, they may have a neighbor and the neighbor's family may have no knowledge of maintenance care or corrective care or anything about chiropractic the way you deliver it. And let's just say that your patient's family has a daughter and that daughter was born relatively normally, you know, if you can call the birth process normal from a man's standpoint, because it's the woman that does all the work. So I'm going to step back there and say a typical hospital delivery, you know, four to six hours, and there's the child. And the child is a bit, um, I don't know, the, the term, I guess the medical term would be colicky. I'd say just not at ease, not at ease. And so that family that's on maintenance care has this baby and they don't get to that. Why? Because if they're on maintenance care, within three days of that baby being born, the first thing mom would do is go get the baby checked because of the birth process, the normal birth process, where the head is impulsing against the pelvic floor for hours and hours and hours. Let's remember what actually happens. And that baby is checked and the nerve interference is cleared out, more than likely that baby never had that colicky episode. But let's just say they did. And now the parents say it's been four weeks. Oh, they wouldn't say that because if they were in your office, they'd be getting checked. And more than likely, if they were being checked, the episode wouldn't have occurred. And if it did occur, more than likely when they got checked, the body would function better and resolve the situation. So I'm not saying that if we're checked from birth to death, we'll never be sick, we'll never have a symptom, but think it through. That family that's under your care has this child. That child has a colicky episode. Probably not, but if they do, your attention to detail resolves the nerve interference and more than likely the body resolves itself. What happens to the neighbor? Think about the neighbor that doesn't know about the care you give. 
The neighbor is up, they're up, they're up. They tell their friends, my God, this child never sleeps. We're up all night. People chime in that don't know what you know and they say, yeah, that's what happens. Your kid's got colic. You got to bring him to the doctor. Now that child's four months old. It's been miserable. Its thrival is reduced somewhat. Even if it's 5%, it's, it's reduced somewhat. And the doctor says, oh, your child has colic. Let me give him these baby, whatever, Tylenol. You know, I don't know medicine, so I'm just going to improvise here. I'm not a medical doctor. Let me give him this baby St. Joseph's baby aspirin and see what happens. And you know, that family gives it and gives it and gives it. If the symptoms subside, the doctor was a genius, but they don't go back until they need him or her again. If the symptoms don't subside, the doctor's a fool, but they'll go back and give her or him another chance. And now he steps up the medication from maybe baby aspirin to something else. And now that child has started a cycle of requiring medication. See, I don't believe we should start a cycle of people requiring adjustments. If we take newborns and give them the care they need, they're on maintenance pretty much from the beginning, and that's how they get checked. If somebody brings them in and says, oh, Johnny's colicky, would you check him? Of course you would, but don't train your people to bring their children or themselves in when they have symptoms, because when they don't have symptoms, they won't want to bring themselves in. If you train them, that is what is best for them, and they absorb that, they'll get it. See, now watch your child and that child next door are five years old, they're learning to ride a bike and they both fall. Well, in your patient's home, the parent picks them up. No, the parent says, get up and come over here. But I'm hurt, you can get up. I can't, you can get up. And they get up, they walk over, you give them a big hug, you wash off their bloody elbow or their knee. You realize that they're gonna be okay. You put some, uh, some you know, whatever uh, ointment on it after you clean it and you put a Band-Aid on and you put them back out on their bike and away they go. And two minutes later, they're riding like, never happened. How about that house next door that doesn't know what you do for a living, that doesn't know how the body heals itself and the child falls and the parent runs and picks them up because you certainly wouldn't want to teach your child to stand up at such a young age and they coddle them and run them to urgent care and they pull out their insurance card and their insurance says, oh, they don't pay for this and it doesn't matter. Just check my child and the child gets a Band-Aid. Well, first gets the wound cleaned out, then gets a Band-Aid and sent home. And maybe the parent who doesn't know says, what if the pain gets worse? And maybe the doctor who doesn't know says, well, here's some medication if it does. And the child's home on the couch crying because it hurts. Well, the neighbor's child, your child, is out. Out doing what? Out riding their bike, having fun, living life. And it hurts a little, so mommy or daddy gives them a little of the medication. See, you're starting a cycle here. Corrective care is a, you know, is a necessary evil to get to maintenance. Maintenance care is what I believe we do best for society. We have to do corrective care because we as a whole haven't done a great job of educating society about what their bodies can do. But we're changing that. You're changing that. You're amazing because you're changing that. 
Now let's say that little girl is 13, 14 years old and she's having her cycle and she's at your patient's home and she's been explained a little bit about how life works. She's been checked for 13, 14 years. More than likely, this is something that, you know, and again, I apologize if this offends anybody, I don't mean it, but this is something that mom sits down and explains the process, explains that it's normal, explains that it's an inconvenience, but it's part of life, explains why it's part of life, explains maybe at that moment how if there is, uh, any form of sexual activity uh, with a boy, uh, you could become pregnant and ties the pieces together. And the girl goes, okay, uh, uses her, her, you know, tampon or, or whatever you use and goes out and goes and has fun and has a great day. But what about next door, the child who, when they were colicky, got medication and when they fell off their bike, got medication. And now all of a sudden they're miserable is it not too uncommon for that parent to say, oh my God, periods, they're the absolute worst. You're, it's just, it's the, it's the curse of being a woman. And, and I'm just talking about society. I'm not talking about judgment, just society. Here's a little, and, and I don't know, I think it's my doll. Here, here's a my doll. If it gets worse, we'll go to the doctor and she'll give you something stronger. Do, you know, it gets worse and they take her to the doctor and the doctor says, well, if my doll's not working, let's try this. See, let's try this. And you know what, honey, just, you know, just lay down and feel miserable three to five days every month and get used to it. And we, we form an activity, we form a life, we form a mindset, see? And now all of a sudden that child's 15, 16, 17, 18 of your patient and they are introduced to marijuana or uh, you know some form of drug that's illegal. They go running, they don't wanna have anything to do with it. They've never put drugs in their body of any sort anyway. They don't wanna start now, they run. Hey dad, hey mom. I don't want to rat anybody out, but I was introduced to marijuana today. And that parent who's been a parent, who's had that child under a lot of different ideas from society that creates strong children, says, what did you say? Well, I refused and I ran home. I was scared. Well, I think you refusing was genius. I think you running home was a bit theatrical, but it's okay. I want you to know you're always safe with me. You made a great decision. If it's illegal, if it's immoral, don't ever do it. I mean, there's people who take legal medication that shouldn't do it. And then maybe that parent points out people who start on aspirin and end up on heroin, see? But what happens next door? What happens next door? When that child has been given medication since the fourth week of life, off and on through their entire life, and their friend says, hey, you look a little down today, take this pill, uh, snort this powder, Smoke this funky cigarette of marijuana. Okay. I mean, they've been groomed for it since birth. How can we be shocked when they accept it and take it? How can we be shocked when they take it over and over and possibly, possibly become addicted? How can we be shocked? We got them addicted as children, as babies. And you might say, my gosh, Dr. B, what does this have to do? It has to do with everything, folks. Your ideal patient is 38 to 58 years old at this point in time, and they're happily married and they have two or three children. 
and you take care of the parents and then you end up taking care of the children, then you end up taking care of eventually the grandchildren and eventually from womb to tomb, people will be under maintenance chiropractic care and they won't be hooked on drugs so easily, readily. They won't run for help every single time they have an incident. They'll stand tall, they'll stand proud. See, last week I gave you, not, not last week, but last podcast, I gave you a version. I actually didn't give you a version. I read you B.J. Palmer's The Big Idea. This week I give you a version of how I see it. See, I think we have to be responsible. I think we have to look the part, act the part, and be the part of responsible doctors. Just because we're new out of school, just because we're young, or just because we're old, or just because we're male, or just because we're female, that shouldn't weigh into anything. I hope you realize how big this is. And that's why it's so important to understand when that 38 to 58 year old happily married person comes in your office, it's mandatory for their children and their grandchildren that their significant others at the report because the significant others often the one who says, gosh, our daughter has problems with this. Our son has problems with this. Should we get him in? And then the daughter and the son come in and they say, gosh, we don't want our children to have this. Should we get them in? They don't say that. We have to say that. That's why it's so important that we realize everything matters, everything counts, and everything affects everything else. You have to look the part of doctor and CA. You have to act the part of doctor and CA. And most importantly, you have to be the part of doctor and CA. You do not, when you're in uniform, get a chance to be you because you don't weigh into the equation of saving sick and suffering mankind from suffering and dying. That's a doctor's job. That's why it's so important when I check out, I exchange Dr. B for John. But I gotta tell you, I learned at a young age, if John's wearing board shorts, flip-flops, and his hat's on sideways, very few referrals come that way. If John's having a great time, but he's acting the part, and he's being the part, and he looks the part, I can wear shorts with a polo shirt. I can wear flip-flops if they're nice. I can wear a hat if it's pointed in the direction hats should point, <laughs> which I think today is either straightforward or straight back, and I think for the doctor, it should be straightforward. You have to represent the best of the best. Now. When that person at a rugby match, when that person at the beach says, gosh, what do you do? How do you know so much? You could say, you know, this is what I do. I'm a doctor of chiropractic and you could be proud. And when they look at you and they see that you look the part, they hear that you sound the part, they notice that you act the part, of course they will say, gosh, I think I wanna come see you. And because you're a doctor, you'll say, let's do this. Let's get you scheduled first thing Monday morning or Monday afternoon. And I'll take care of that. Give me your number. I'll have my receptionist call you. But right now, let's enjoy the beach. And I say to you, right now, let's enjoy the moment. Reminisce about those thoughts. Enjoy that thought process. See if it helps you serve more people so you can work less hours, so you can 
make more money so you can have more fun. In the immortal words of Dr. Fred Barge, are you the doctor, doctor? See, do you know more than you knew 16 minutes ago? Will you apply it? Will it be an add-on and you'll become the best of the best or will it be a blend in and you'll have one more excuse? I know what I think you're gonna do and I think you're gonna do what's right because you do what's right. Baker out. Thank you for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. To learn more about New Beginnings and our three levels of coaching, head to our website at chiropracticlifecoaching.com. While you're there, be sure to grab our free PDF titled Directional Communication, where we'll give you simple, step-by-step instructions that you can implement this week in your office to improve your doctor-patient communication so your patients will get the message and gladly pay for care. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Get ready to serve more people, work less hours, make more money, and have more fun.